Hello and welcome to the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. The NBA season is in full swing. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 3-0. The Orlando Magic are 3-0. The Raptors are winless. The Nuggets are winless. And James Harden is proving that you do not need training camp or really to be in shape of any kind in order to dominate the NBA. As always, my name is Colin Ward-Henninger. I'm an NBA writer for CBSSports.com. And joining me is Sam Quinn, the guy who's gotten to watch the Kuzmaization of the Los Angeles Lakers firsthand. Sam, how are you doing today? You know what I love about this podcast, Colin? We mentioned right off the top, yeah, the Cavs are 3-0. It's super cool. The Magic, 3-0. Kyle Kuzma looks great. And we're just not going to talk about any of that. Let's just talk about the same guy everybody talks about every day. You're setting the state. It's all context. You know, you got to yep. show the whole picture before you get into the specifics. It's journalism. Inverted period. I promise period. we will do a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast at some point in the, I'm not even going to say the near future, at some point in our lifetimes. Well, the thing is, I mean, everybody would just ask, oh, are they going to trade Drummond? Are they going to trade Kevin Love? And now it's clear they don't need to. They got an undefeated team. Should they trade for James Harden right now? Because clearly they're the best team in the NBA. They could maybe, use the upgrade. Maybe they should be in the mix. <laughs> you're going to take away from that sexland backcourt. Yeah, exactly. You can't touch that now if you're talking about like Kevin Porter Jr. Like, okay, James Harden, you could be sixth man of the year again. He really could, I, I think. I, I don't think he's cracking that starting rotation if they're Unless healthy. You, you cannot touch the sexland backcourt. Like, I'm sorry. It's just it's bigger than all of us. Sexland forever. All joking aside, Darius Garland looks a lot better than he did last year, so I am kind of excited about that. Well, it turns out if one of your guards knows how to pass, knows how to pass, maybe the other one doesn't. So this worked out really nicely for Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton's endless crusade to never pass a basketball. Yeah, see, they were playing the long game the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But they knew what anyway. They were no offense to Cleveland fans, but we're not here to talk about the Cavs. We're here to talk about, as usual, James Harden, who has. Uh, Apparently added a couple teams to his, uh, you know, wish list of teams he wants to get traded for. Apparently he still wants to get traded, which we'll talk about later if he still might want to do it, if that's going to be the best thing for him. But uh, he did add the Portland Trailblazers and the Boston Celtics to his list. So that's in addition to the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers and, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are on there. And of course, the Brooklyn Nets. Um in terms of the Blazers and Celtics, Sam, uh, does this change anything for you? Does this uh, do, do you see him now? You know, when you heard this news, did you think like, oh, okay, yeah, that destination makes sense, or oh, they might be you know uh, more likely to get a deal with one of these teams? What was your reaction? When I heard this news, my immediate thought was, well, okay, none of the other teams made a good enough offer, so he's going to add two more to the list, and then in a week we're going to get two more teams, and then in another week we're going to get two more until we get to the point that Cleveland really is on this list. Because yeah, right now, it doesn't seem like anybody's making a good offer. Now, we can talk about whether or not Portland or Boston should, or what those offers would look like. But all it said to me was, right now, there isn't a good deal on the table. So you think this is more of a product of uh, of the market, rather than his desire to to join one of these teams? Yeah, I don't think he like sat down in front of Synergy and thought, wow, Jason Tatum's really good. I Just right now, I'm finally okay with going to Boston. No, I think this is a leverage thing more than anything. They're trying to grease the wheels a little bit here. Nothing's working. They don't have any good offers at the moment, at least as far as we can tell. So they're trying to add some leverage by throwing some more teams in there. Now, do we think those are good fits? I'm I'm a little skeptical. I mean, Boston has traded pretty much everybody at this point. You know, they'll trade anybody. Should they break up Tatum and Brown? I'm kind of skeptical. I don't think that just having Tatum and Harden is enough to say we're winning the championship. And if that's not the case, 
why are you giving up a decade of contention with Tatum and Brown? I'm pretty skeptical. Portland, I'm a little more optimistic if they can do it, just because where are they going right now? They will never beat the Lakers with this Lillard McCollum backcourt. It's just not going to happen. They're not a championship team right now. If they could get Harden, okay, sure. You're really, you're boosting your chances then. You're going from zero to something, even if that something is still pretty small. So I don't know that either of these teams is going to get a deal done, but I'll call myself intrigued. It was pretty funny. You just gave me this picture of like James Harden, like in the locker room before games with his laptop out, just or, or his, you know, a tablet, just breaking down game film on Synergy and like his coaches walking and be like, wow, James, like you're really committed. And then you look and it's like Portland Trailblazers plays and like Boston well, no. Celtics plays, like nothing to do I with the his other own team. Way. I imagine that he's at Magic City and like, you know, the ladies of the evening are, you know, like, James, come on, you're not in your normal jovial spirit. And he's like, got to watch Tatum tape. Sorry, man. Not right now. He's not busy right now, with uh, his with his scouting. So yeah. in a couple of weeks when he's watching Darius Garland tape, you know, we'll really know that he's serious. At that <laughs> that's point. it. We got to get that's the real intel that we need. Yeah, you but, really need to know how well he'll fit with them. Well, with the Celtics and Blazers, I guess, you know, it's a little intriguing. It's, you know, it seems like the the type of teams that are close enough to contention, you know, the Celtics were obviously right in the thick of it in the East, but they look like teams that are close enough to contention that they got a guy like Harden. It could push them over the top. But the question with all these trades is, you know, what are you giving up? And most likely you're, if you're the Blazers, you got to give up CJ McCollum. And most likely if you're the Celtics, you got to give up Jalen Brown. I mean, if there was a way to do it where you're only giving up Kemba Walker and you could team Harden with Brown and Tatum, like, hey, now we're in business, right? Anybody's doing that, but it well, seems that's like the other that's thing. probably not going to happen. Do you want Kemba Walker and James Harden on the same team? Because my inclination is no, you really don't. You saw in the playoffs last year just how badly Kemba got picked on. Do you really want to give opposing offenses another you know, exit valve they can look at like that? James Harden isn't necessarily a bad defender. What he is is a very specific one. He needs to play in a system that's designed purely to keep him in the post where, he, where his strength and his low center of gravity – really have value if you're asking him to just you know hang out on the perimeter and guard a traditional shooting guard it's going to go really badly and if you have him and Kemba your defense is going to be pretty bad yeah especially if you're giving up Brown who's you know he he might not be the best lockdown individual defender but he's long and he's switchy and he's a wing and he's big and you know if you give up a player like that for uh, a guard who is notoriously not a great defender uh, you're asking for it on defense but how good is that team if you purely switch out Jalen Brown for James Harden forget about anything else that might be in the trade how good is that team if you just make that one for one swap see this is if they still had Hayward I think well no Hayward's gone I know I dust in the wind I understand but I'm saying I'm trying to make the point that without an extra wing like that who you can rely on it's going to be hard for just a Tatum, Harden, Kemba trio, I think, just because of the nature of the NBA and where the where the positions lie in terms of, you know, everybody is loaded with wings. And there's we've seen, as you mentioned, in playoffs, like you can load up on guards and you can do things to stop guards, but you need one of those, you know, I, I think the tandem of, of Brown and Tatum is something that works well or is, is designed to work well in the playoffs. And I don't know about the uh, power dynamics between James Harden and Jason Tatum as a guy who's trying to ascend to the next level of stardom while you have James Harden who wants to maintain his level of stardom. So I don't well, know. My I, counter I to the wing thing yeah. is that you have Marcus Smart, too, who could defend Godzilla if you needed him to. Like, there's nobody in the NBA aside from, like, 
four or five centers that you couldn't fairly stick Marcus Smart on and say, we're feeling good about this. So I don't think losing Brown purely from a wing defense standpoint is that harmful. Like if you get into a playoff series with virtually anybody, like say it's Brooklyn, okay, Tatum, you're on Durant, Smart, you're on Kyrie, like boom, you're good. You you have the guys you need to defend the top players. My issue is just I really don't like having multiple bad defenders on a team, especially if it's seen with like pretty limited shooting. Like there's not a great catch and shoot shooter anywhere on that roster right now, unless like Aaron Neesmith turns out to be that guy this year, which as a rookie probably is not going to happen. The Peyton center Fisher. situation is Peyton Fisher, baby. If you want to b- believe in the number, what, 25, 26 pick, 26 pick, you want to believe in that guy to perform in the playoffs in his first year? Great. I'm just not making that bet. Hey, they and couldn't James believe he was still available. Long. Well, just my overall point here is that I think it looks better on paper than it is in reality. Like, I think it's kind of a weird fit. I think they'd be really good. I think they'd probably make the Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, fight really hard in the second round, maybe even make the Finals. But I just don't really see it. And their window really is two, three, four years down the line when Tatum and Brown are really at their apex. Um, Smart is presumably still in his prime. They've used the um, the Gordon Hayward trade exception. You know, they've really maxed out that timeline. I don't time, think having time, James Harden... Time Lord is playing at a, at a peak level. Time Lord fits into, fits into any timeline. That's the <laughs> entire premise. But that's Speaking of timelines, right? sorry, quick aside. I watched Tenet tonight with my wife. That was a mistake. That was a confusing movie, man. I just, I just, I saw a good review. It was like, not only is it hard to understand, but it just kind of makes you not want to understand. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I'm in on that. I think Inception was like the nice balance for Christopher Nolan where like, okay, you have to like really think about this movie to understand it. It requires critical thought, but it's still a really good movie and it's still approachable if you want to go in and like put in the work with it, I guess. Tenet is just a mess. Like, there's just no getting around that. That's just him trying to be the smartest guy in the room and failing. I also had to literally had to reach over and turn off my subwoofer because of the continual pounding bass that drowned out all of the dialogue. What's every Christopher Nolan movie? Entirely necessary to understand the movie. I couldn't hear any of it. Anyway, quick aside. Anyway, we'll talk talk about movies once they actually come back in theaters, which will be a very long time. Uh, But yeah. I think the I agree with you that this, it doesn't really make much sense for the Celtics right now, especially because I'm like a huge Jalen Brown believer. So um, what about the Blazers? I mean, I don't think they can get a deal done. Like, I don't think CJ McCollum is good enough to be traded for James Harden. And, you know, they're in McCollum is younger, but like they're in the same general age range where like you get them and you assume we're doing this to win a championship in the next couple of years. I don't think that really makes sense for Houston. We'll get in a little bit, we'll get into why it might. So I just don't get it. Maybe you send McCollum to a third team, but if you do that, why wouldn't that third team just trade for James Harden? So I don't really get it, but if you could do it, yeah, it's great. Like why not just let James Harden dribble a bunch and let Damian Lillard play like Stephen Curry, run around a bunch of screens. Your defense isn't going to be good, but guess what? It's not good anyway. So you're probably going to have the number one offense. That's nice. Yeah. To me, doesn't it seem like, uh, I mean, especially after the moves that Portland made this offseason, it doesn't seem like they're just trying, like, I know we say this a lot, but like, is this the last shot at the Lillard McCollum thing? Like, are we finally going to say, all right, it's not going to work? Like if they're, you know, have the same crappy defense and ends up being, you know, in the play-in game this this year, is that is that finally it? Because if that's but the I case think- and you can see the writing on the wall, then it makes you, you know, a little more eager to, to pull the trigger on trade like this if you can do it. 
Well, what I think is going to happen is kind of what always happens in Portland, where like we hear, oh, Damien isn't happy with how this went. Oh, Damien met with the GM. He met with whoever the owner is now or whoever the owner will be in, in a year. And we'll hear about all the consternation. And then everybody will come out and say, oh, we're fine. We just needed to talk it out. There's nothing going on here. And he won't get traded because Damien Lillard never gets traded. Nobody in Portland ever gets traded. So that's what I think. I think their goal is perpetually just to be a four seed. They don't really have championship aspirations, which is the other reason why I don't think they'll make this trade, by the way. I think they'll look at, at it and they'll say, why are we going to mess with our legendary culture to bring in a guy who is not exactly known for his locker room presence? Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about James Harden, like it, it was interesting enough that the first Rockets game of the year after their initial opener got postponed due to, among other people, James Harden. Uh, they play against the Trailblazers and CJ McCollum went out and put up, you know, 40 something points and hit a game winner. So if you're looking at you know what the we, best part of that was, by the way, what was the best part? That was the best game of CJ McCollum's regular season career. And it was just like a casual game for James Harden. And they were dueling back and forth. And like Harden all practically rolled out of Magic City, like rolled out of bed and came and played a pretty average game by his standards. And that was still like better than the best that CJ McCollum could do. It took everything that CJ had to beat that average James Harden night. Couple rebuttals there. CJ McCollum was great. He ended up hitting the shot that won the game, and James Harden turned the ball over when he had a chance. Also, I don't. It might be a stretch to say that 44 and 17 is an average game for James, James Harden. Harden standards. Six, six for 13 from three. I mean, come on now. It's pretty common by Harden standards. Can you name the other starters for the Rockets in that game? Uh, only because I have the box score up in front of me because I can go. cheat. But uh, yeah, I was a little surprised to see Jay Sean Tate didn't get the start though. I was, I was hoping thirty-seven for... minutes for yeah. Jay Sean Tate, twenty-seven <laughs> for post Achilles David Nwaba. Like this was the Jimmy Butler Timberwolves practice on TV in real life. That's this really hilarious. was Harden with the third teamers, like really taking it to the Blazers. If you're the Blazers, you can't feel good about that win. No, that's as close to a loss as you can get. I mean, we were just talking about the Warriors getting their first win about you know against the Bulls on a Damian Lee desperation game-winning three, and they all run out on the court celebrating like they won the NBA title. It's like, dude, that's that's as close to a loss as you could possibly get in the NBA. If da- if you need Damian Lee to hit a game-winning shot, then you didn't deserve to win the game. You're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Caboclo, three minutes. By the way, they had. Nine, eight, nine healthy players, and Bruno could get on the court for three minutes. It's, it's just, how many years away is he now? How many years away is he from being two years from away? Being I think he's years like nine away. years away from being totally. two years away. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, James Harden is. Uh, it was so interesting to see because, like, I think all the talk about his off-court exploits, him showing up out of shape, all the fat pictures that have been circulating on the web. It's like he just goes out and it's just like. It says I don't need to be in shape. Like I'm so good at offense that I can score, I can facilitate, I can get fouled, I can do all this stuff. And like it, it looked like he he just it was second nature to him. And I think I think you wrote this on CBSSports.com, but he's just he I think he reminded not only other teams but but fans about like just how monumental of a piece this could be if he actually goes to a contender. Yeah, I think there's this idea that a lot of fans have, and it seems like teams might have right now, where trading for James Harden is like trading for any other superstar, and it's not. Like, James Harden is not like trading for Damian Lillard or like trading for Donovan Mitchell or whatever 
pick your superstar guard X. Like you're not just getting a really good player. You're getting somebody who warps defenses in this way. That's just so unique. So it's so potent that it makes it possible for you to score 126 points with three of your best players out with COVID or whatever, whatever the protocols deem them being out with. That's what Harden does. If you go back and watch the game, it's not really the points and the assists that matter. It's what he did to Portland's defense, right? Like there were possessions where he was crossing half court and getting picked up by three different Blazers. And he's just looking at that and saying, okay, no problem. Behind the back, skip pass to Christian Wood for a floater. Like two easy points, boom. If you have James Harden on your team, no matter what else you have, for the most part, within reason, you're going to have a top five offense. Like that's what having James Harden means. And I think a few teams needed to be reminded of that. If you're the Heat and you're sitting at home thinking, we feel good about having Tyler Hero, I assure you, Tyler Hero is never going to be able to do that. Yeah, or or Denver saying, I don't know if we're going to give up Michael Porter Jr., you know. But I think I fall into this trap, too, and it's just like, well, it's it's. I find it hard to evaluate Harden. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's hard to evaluate Harden outside of Houston. Like, what is he going to look like in another offense next to other superstars? You know, things like that. And, uh, like, games like that just remind me, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the dude will figure it out. He can well, score. it's not even and, that and he he'll pass, figure it out. You know, the team yeah. will figure it out. Like, yeah. why is it such a bad thing that he has to go to a team and, you know, become the center of their universe? Wouldn't you want James Harden as the center of your universe? Well, yeah, if he's the center, though. But, like, if he, if he goes to Miami and, and has to – well, that's a bad example because Jimmy Butler doesn't care about offense. But uh, if he goes to Brooklyn and he's got to play next to Kyrie and, and, and Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? Uh, or if he does – Trade yeah. Kyrie. If you can have Harden and Durant, I don't care about Kyrie. Just – Get James Harden and Kevin Durant. That's two of the best five at worst offensive players in the NBA. You do that, you figure the rest out later. Like, I love you, Kyrie. You're great. You're not in this circle of guys. I don't know, man. If you watch the first couple games, he's he's looking pretty good. I, I just listen. <laughs> the silence the silence says everything. Kyrie does this. He'll have these, you know, 10, 15 game stretches where he looks like an MVP. And then in a month, like you're reading all these reports like the Celtics don't know when Kyrie Irving will be back. Like Kyrie has to have this second surgery. Like I'm not relying on Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. I get that he's hit the biggest shot in the finals. I get that he's won a championship. I get that he's made however many all-star teams. I'm sorry. James Harden is better than him. Like comfortably. That's a, I mean, that's also a good point because Kyrie looks very, uh, very plant-based. He's, he's looking skinny. And that could be great. I know that's like a, a Brooklyn trend, diet would do wonders for Harden. He he looks frail, but uh, you know I was saying the the opposite point. Like Harden is a, a, he's just a sturdy. He's just a block of man who never really seems to get serious injuries. He's out every once in a while, but just takes a pounding. So I mean, it's definitely something to consider. But you mentioned earlier uh, Christian Wood, who's just had a phenomenal debut for the Rockets. Just looked like the perfect. Uh, you know, combination or a compliment to James Harden and, and finally has a, a diving big man who's good, who can who can stretch out and shoot threes as well. But, um, you know, uh, this brings up the point, like, why does Harden want to get traded? And is it uh, in his best interest to, to try to get traded? Or should he stick with this team that has a guy in wood who's obviously really good? DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall looked really good in the preseason. We don't know how that'll work, but... I mean, Eric Gordon's still there. Uh, the the pieces are there to have a pretty competitive team. So does the does the Rockets 
the way they've looked, you know, in the preseason in this opening game, do you think that that is having any effect on Harden whatsoever in terms of this trade request? Well, I think the answer is no, because, I mean, Harden's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to be on a pretty competitive team. He wants to be on a championship team. And now this list has gotten long enough to the point where, like, the championship teams have been exhausted. He's not getting to the Clippers. He's not getting to the Lakers. He's not getting to the Bucks. Like, those teams just don't have enough. The Nets might, but Houston to this point hasn't been interested. So we're kind of at this point where Houston is worse than those teams. I don't think there's any scenario where Houston beats them. But, like, is Houston better than Portland? Based on last night, I would say yes. Why would Harden want to go to Portland if that's the team he'd be going to? He just saw up close. Right now, they're not that great, you know? So I don't think he's going to rescind his trade request. But I do look at this and think, okay, when they get Wall back, when they get Cousins back, when they're at full strength, is it crazy to say, A, this could be like a four seed, and B, he could win another MVP? Like, Kristen Wood looks like an all-star. I mean, somebody in my Twitter mentions compared Wood and Harden to LeBron and Anthony Davis. Oh, no. It was crazy. But I also didn't dismiss it out of hand. Like, <laughs> you had to give it a second? Like, like, get, hold on. I get what they're going for. Did you did you give it a like? I'm going to look through your likes and see if you I like think it. I did give it a like. Like, offensively, <laughs> it's, not, it's not, like, crazy. Clearly, those two are not as good as, the, as LeBron and AD on defense. But if you're just talking about, like, a pick-and-roll combination, a super versatile big man, along with a, you know, all-everything ball handler, like, I get it. It makes some sense. If you, you go know back these and watch- podcasts are recorded and go up like in forever, like in posterity. That's going to be around on the internet. Samuel what you Harris just said. Being of sound mind and body, do you hereby state that James Harden and Christian Wood are not as good as LeBron James and Anthony Davis? That is <laughs> said on the record. I'm, I'm glad we clarified that. That is canon now. But I digress. If you go back and watch the game, what you'll see is every time Harden and Wood were running a pick and roll. The defense was paying so much attention to Harden that Wood would just sneak right behind the dropping big man and get an easy dunk. Like, if you can finish that well, if you're that athletic, playing with James Harden is going to help you. And, I mean, do you agree he's the best He's the best big man? I guess maybe Peak Dwight would be the best offensive big man he's played with. I think Wood has a chance to be better than that. Yeah, and I think what separates, you know, uh, him and Dwight, well, I guess there's a couple of things. But first, you know, Wood it seems extremely comfortable in his role. There was always that stuff with Dwight. Like, I need my post-ups, I need my touches, and all that stuff that kind of soured his ability uh, to play with a guy like Harden. And then there's also the fact that Wood can stretch it out to three, which, you know, Dwight, if he was, you know, a 14-year-old Dwight Howard right now, he might have started working on threes. Uh, but, you know, that's something that Wood brings that that Dwight never did. And obviously, like a guy like Capella never did. So I think the combination of the two, uh, it's hard to say that he's not the best, you know, big man roller type that that Harden's ever played with. And does that, uh, you, you know, we we talk about if that affects Harden. But what about now for the Rockets when you're looking for who you could get in exchange for James Harden? Are you thinking a little harder about your pieces now? that you know, or at least you've seen a very small sample size, like what Christian Wood is and and how good that that Cousins and Wall have looked at least so far in the preseason. Does that change re- what Houston Can I read you a quote real quick? I'd, I'd love from to hear Dwight closely. Howard's trainer in 2018. It's not from Mark Twain? No. He wants to evolve into Anthony Davis, into Kevin Durant, but his own version of that. So you know what? Let's not rule out Dwight Howard developing a three-pointer. 
Oh. He has kind of become his own version of that, which is just not to shoot outside the key. This is a different version, but it's a, it's a version. I mean, if you really want to stretch the meaning of the word version, sure. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we mentioned Portland at the top of the show, right? Like, I don't think that C.J. McCollum for James Harden makes any sense for the Rockets whatsoever. But let's be realistic. NBA teams don't always act in their best interest. Remember when the Spurs had Kawhi Leonard and they traded him for DeMar DeRozan? It would kind of be like that, right? If you could have John Wall, Christian Wood, CJ McCollum, DeMarcus Cousins, PJ Tucker, like, okay, you might be the five seed this year. Like, you make it, maybe you could win a round. You know, you could be a feel-good team. You could be like Oklahoma City next year. The difference is that Oklahoma City has 100 first-round picks, and you don't. So you'd be a good team for a couple years, and then after that, you'd be stuck in lottery hell, except you don't have your own lottery picks. So there's no benefit to it, right? Like there's no plan inherent in getting win now pieces for Harden, but is Houston desperate enough to do it. Maybe like, we don't know how, we don't know how solvent that team is, frankly. Like we don't know if they can afford to be really bad for three or four years. Yeah. And I guess having wall on the books is really the only deterrent, right? Because cousins is on a, with a one-year deal or two-year deal or whatever. Uh, other than that, you trade PJ Tucker. Other than that, you've got, a young group who's, you know, in position for a rebuild. So there really are two different ways that they can go. If they want to try to stay competitive, see what they've got. And I guess you can always blow it up later if you really want to, but getting rid of wall is going to be very, very difficult. Well, I think we kind of saw this with a Russell Westbrook last year, B Chris Paul. If John wall has a really good year, I think when he only has two years left on his deal, like maybe you could trade him. Like say he comes back and looks like his old self. Next offseason, there are going to be a lot of teams that saved up cap space to chase, you know, Giannis, Rudy Gobert, pick your superstar for agent that now can't. I think somebody could be talked into taking John Wall at that point if he looks really good. I don't think you should be making any long-term decisions based on we have John Wall, right? Like, you should be trading James Harden for the best package of young players and draft picks that you can get. You figure out the John Wall part of the equation later, right? If you have Ben right. Simmons and John Wall doesn't fit with Ben Simmons, then so long, John Wall, you're not as good as Ben Simmons. You still think that's the best deal on the table? The, the we don't know if that's on the table. Like, look, right now, go look on at the some theoretic, of the, the yeah, theoretical yeah. table. Theoretically, sure. But if you look at, like, what people are reporting, you know, Windhorse says the Heat are out or the Heat have stopped negotiating. You know, Denver Post says the Nuggets have not or they, they've talked about Michael Porter Jr., but there's not any traction on that deal. You know, if there was something really good out there, I'm inclined to say Houston would have taken it. What it really seems like to me is that teams thought about this and they came to the conclusion, we don't want to mortgage our future for James Harden. And there are a number of reasons why you might not want to. And I, I get it. Like, he's old, or at least he's old by superstar standard. He's not in great shape. He doesn't have great habits. He takes over your entire culture. The Lakers are still out there. And even with James Harden, I'm not sure how many teams could beat them. Bad, so I bad playoff history. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. Like, I am inclined to say that on the right team, that maybe could change. Like, for all of the jokes that we make about James Harden and for all of the bad games that he's had, go back and watch the Lakers series. He didn't put up great numbers, but that's because the Lakers were trapping him on every possession, right? Like, that still has a lot of value. It's a good point. And we, if he's surrounded by a different team and, you know, in a different system, has another superstar next to him who's not Russell Westbrook, could be a little different. So I, the other team I want to mention here is how far down do we need to go before the Rockets start to reevaluate the Nets package? And on the Nets side, 
how good do they have to look before they say, nah, we're good. We don't want James Harden. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, the Nets, I know they lost to the Hornets recently, but that, that was I, a nothing I, loss. That was just a schedule <laughs> loss. They, looked, in that, they were down 16 <laughs> in the fourth quarter. And then you like snap your fingers and they're down two, right? Like they clearly have that year that championship teams have where they can steal a game from you in like five good minutes. Right. Which makes me think, I mean, I love watching this team just because uh, one, I, I'm so happy to see Kyrie and KD healthy because they're just the most phenomenal offensive basketball players. You know, talking about James Harden, the, when Kyrie's healthy, I think he's at least close to that tier, but Durant's obviously just another beast in himself. So watching those two has been amazing. And then also just seeing how freaking deep that team is like with really good NBA players and the pieces seem to work together. So I just, I can't see the, like, unless they hit like a a real snag, I can't see them just giving up young players and picks and doing what they have to do to get Harden when it looks like they have, uh, you know, if, if Kyrie and Durant are healthy, I think that's a championship contender, like as constructed. What do you think? Well, so here's the argument against that. Durant and Irving are both coming off of very, very serious injuries. Kyrie has had several. And like quietly, Durant doesn't have a great health history even before the Achilles. So if you could bring in a third star, you're giving yourself an insurance policy, right? Like say you're in game two of the second round, you're playing Miami. Kevin Durant tweaks his ankle and he's out for three games. Okay, with Harden and Kyrie, you have a chance. It's not great, but like your season isn't over at that point. The other thing is, with all of that depth that they now have, and frankly, it's a lot more than I thought they were going to have, you know, trading for James Harden doesn't have to mean gutting your entire roster, right? Like, say that it's Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen, like four very important pieces. Okay, then you still run eight deep. You still have a mid-level exception to use on the buyout market down the line. You could probably hold on to some of your picks at this point, maybe make a trade at the deadline. Like, you don't have to just be a three-man team. You wouldn't be the 2011 Miami Heat, right? Like, right now, I look at that team and I say, at the very least, beyond Durant and Irving, do they have the most aggregate shooting of any team you've ever seen? Like, this is nuts. Like, Timothy Luwawu Cabrero came off the bench today, the fourth quarter, and he makes, like, three threes. Like, this is the 12th man on this roster, and just everybody can shoot except for the centers. It's wild. Like, man, they're, they're, they're so much better than I thought. Like, I just have to put that out there. I was a big net pessimist, and I think there's still reason to be scared. But, like, man, offensively, they're so, so good. Yeah, and it's like, uh, I, I saw, you know, that first Durant preseason game, and it was like, oh, my goodness, they're going to be so great. And I tried not to overreact to that. But, like, when those two are on the court, it's just like, man, they're just they're, – and you saw with Durant, I forget which game it was, but – uh, he kiss came out. I think it was a national TV game. He came out in the second half and it was just like, he decided to score. And like, that was it. He just scored like 12 straight points. And it was like, all right, well, we're never going to stop Kevin Durant. So uh, I, I guess the, it always comes back to the philosophical, like, you know, do we want a deep team with a lot of options? Or do we just say, look, if we have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, it doesn't matter what we put around them. And to your point, you still have some very functional, very good, NBA players next to them you're just not quite as deep but if you get those three guys is it like you know who cares what else we have we're title contenders with these three guys got a number for you Nets lose by two today Durant and Irving combined for 54 points what do you think the third leading scorer scored for them 
I think Dinwiddie got hurt. So like Karis LeVert maybe with like 14. It was Joe Harris with 13. Ooh. There you go. There's your answer why you trade for James Harden. James Harden is never going to be held to 13 points. Like you're never going to have one of these games where your two stars look great and everybody else is terrible. If you have Harden, Durant, and Irving, like you have three guarantees in your lineup right there. Do you think that ultimately gets done? I, I'm just w- no. wondering where your head's at right now. I think Houston has dug in so deep and it says so has so much talked themselves out of Karis LeVert that there's just no way that they take that package. Now, that's an interesting question, right? Because Karis LeVert looked great in the opener. He's been kind of so-so ever since. The shooting is right around where you'd expect it. 5 of 14 from 3 on the year. That's roughly league average. Nothing that Karis LeVert has done would change my opinion on him. The only question here is how far does the bar get lowered? Because the Rockets might not like Karis LeVert. They might not like Spencer Dinwiddie. They might not like all those picks that Brooklyn can offer. But does that matter if that's the best offer on the table in February, March? I don't know. Like, I don't know how far Houston is willing to go. Are they willing to go an entire season like this? I'm, well, that's, I don't know. That's the other question I had is, is what happens if Houston's eight and two or, you know, 15 and seven or, you know what I mean? Like they, if, if this works and, and they're winning and we know that if James Harden is on the court, he's a regular season winning machine. Like they're going to win games. So it's just going to be weird to me if they're going out and, and you know, they're having a pretty, pretty good year and Harden's still like, no, nah, I want to get traded. Like, it's just going to be a, a very strange situation. And well, there's, there's precedent for this, right? Like Kobe did it. He demanded a trade. Then the Lakers started out really well. They traded for Pau Gasol and he took it back. Well, Marcus Aldridge asked to be traded. Pop reworked the offense. He was happy. And then, I mean, he never publicly rescinded, but he never got traded. Like this has happened before. I think people have gotten a little caught up in the player empowerment era and the star movement where they think as soon as a name is said, it means that he's moving. I'm not necessarily closing the idea that James Harden gets that James Harden stays in Houston off entirely. Like there's a chance. I just think it's a pretty minimal chance. And I would even take it a step further. I would almost say that it's likelier that Harden gets traded to a team that has a worse record than the Rockets at that point than it is that Harden stays with the Rockets. Because what I think really is going to happen is that some team, whether it's Boston, whether it's Portland, whether it's Denver, whether it's Toronto, whether it's whoever is going to start out four and nine you know, five and 10, something like that, and panic and say, you know what? We don't have it. Let's go get it. It's a good point. And for a team, it sounds like everybody thinks that they've got what it takes at the beginning of the year. So when you you feel it out over the course of the first couple months, and like you said, a team that's clicking and is looking great, you know, if the Nets jump out to a huge start and go, you know, 16-2 or whatever, they're probably not going to be looking at Harden trades. So it is going to be one of those other teams that's, that has gotten off to a worse start. But the question is, will, you know, will they getting James Harden propel them to eventually being ahead of those other teams? And only time will tell. But it, it is, it's such a weird situation. And I don't even know what to think at this point. Uh, I, I, I do like that Harden came out and just smoked everyone in that first game and showed why he's he's deserves to be traded to these teams if that's what he wants. How many teams feasibly exist in your mind that are a James Harden trade away from you picking them to beat the Lakers in a seven game series? Just play out this exercise with me. Like teams that can actually get him. 
Right. Like the Clippers, if you just add James Harden, would beat the Lakers. But I'm saying could feasibly make the trade with the trade in mind. How many teams exist? Not that you're thinking, oh, maybe they could. No. How many teams exist could get James Harden? And in your mind, that would make you say, I will pick this team over the Lakers. Probably the Nets. I'm even kind of skeptical of that, to be honest. But like we were talking about, the three guys, I think that's just... The counter is that the Lakers have like 11 starting caliber players on their team right now. Like they can mix and match matchups so easily. And of All course, right. All right. they have drinking, the drinking ultimate... Drinking the Kool-Aid over here. All right. Well, it's not even that. Like they also, they have the ultimate trump card, right? Like they have the best player. Do they? Remember we were talking about Kevin Durant possibly passing LeBron James before he Look, got hurt. So I'm just I'm saying. Not gonna rule, I'm not going to rule out the idea that when we get to the finals, Durant is better than LeBron. Like, I think there's a chance of that, sure. But are we really going to do this after what we saw LeBron do in the playoffs? Like, really? We're going to, again, try to prematurely elevate somebody above him? We've been doing this for, like, more than half a decade at this point. Yeah, but in 2017 and 2018, Durant did beat the King. So, I mean, it happens. It no, happens. The Durant was freaking awesome in those series, man. If the Monstars had beaten the Toon Squad, would you have said, oh, the purple guy is better than Michael Jordan? Count the rings. Oh, so Robert Ory is better than Michael Jordan, then. That's what you're saying. That was uh, my baseball coach in college used to talk, say that Derek Jeter was the best player in the, the major leagues. And he would always just point to his ring fingers and be like, he's got rings. And we're like, well, Luis Soho's got four rings, too. So he must be next on the list. Well, like that first finals between LeBron and Durant, like people forget LeBron averaged a 30-point triple-double. How many guys have done that in the finals? The second time around, we all watched that game one at Oracle when LeBron is doing things to the Warriors that I've never seen on any basketball court. And you've got, you know, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, like these great, great defenders just looking at each other saying, like, what do we do? Like, what is this? And then obviously J.R. Smith happens and he breaks his hand and that's that. I don't think there's any scenario where the Cavs would have beaten the Warriors in that series. But, like, we all watched on that court. LeBron was so far ahead of everybody else, it took four stars to take him down. All I'm saying, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that LeBron is a little bit older, and eventually the decline has to start happening. I mean, you're talking already talking about, you know, kind of a shift in his playing style that you've seen early. You know, and I want to give away until it's it's a concrete thing, but... You know, All it happens. Going, he gets old. We've been trying to get LeBron out of the top spot for like half a decade, and it's never stuck. I am not going to say it until I see it. Right. Okay. But to your point, the Nets, I think, could be one, you know, a hardened trade away from, from possibly being the Lakers. Uh, the Heat, I think, probably are there just because of what we saw last year and how well they played in the finals despite missing all those guys. Uh, I, I don't think I'm sold on the Sixers yet, <laughs> honestly. Like, they look pretty bad. I don't think there's any chance the Sixers would beat the Lakers this afternoon. And then maybe the Nuggets, just because, you know, if, if Jokic and Murray can do what they did in the playoffs and add a guy like Harden, I think that's... Uh, well, you remember what happened in that series, right? Like, LeBron took Murray for a quarter, and that was that. Like, that was the end of the series. Yeah, so he's not going to be able to do that if you have, you know. Well, I guess guy. that's a fair point. Is LeBron yeah. going to defend Harden in that in that sense? But you know, right. Davis did really well against Jokic. I don't know how much sense all of those guys make together because are you really just going to turn Jokic into like a spot up shooter? Because that's what Harden would do. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he could still facilitate and stuff. And and you remember, you know, you're always going to have the stagger where, you know, somebody's you know, Jokic has to sit at some point and then you have a, a secondary, you know, a, a Harden-Murray kind of combo on the court, which could be really interesting. Or Well, know, I or think he, it, would, it would work. They'd have the number one offense or they'd have a top three offense. But, like, I think there's this thought that people have where, oh, they have Harden, Murray, and Jokic. They're going to be the greatest offense of all time. Like, I don't think it's that simple. I don't yeah. think the fit is that clean. And there's always just the, you know, like how much better can you possibly get? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're already a really good offense, then you add well, that's the Nets issue, phenomenal right? like offensive player. Right, exactly. Well, like, there's only so many shots. All, it's only, yeah. All I was thinking was trade Karis LeVert for Drew Holiday. That's it. Like, that's what you have to do. That way you have maybe the number one offense and probably a top 10 defense. And that's the championship formula. If you go down this list, Miami might because. You know, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, they'd still probably have Avery Bradley. Like, they'd have the heat culture. They'd be very good on defense, too. They'd be a little shooting light, but I guess it would depend on what the trade was. After that, you're right. I think it really is. Brooklyn is Brooklyn and Miami are the only two that I'm willing to really entertain the notion. I wouldn't, at this moment, pick either of them, even with Harden. After that, it's a lot of, like, well, if somebody gets hurt. Right. And just before we go, we just need to bring up you know, with the with the way the Warriors have started this season, not looking great, getting smoked in the first two games and barely beating the Bulls. How how long until we're th- you know we we just throw the entire you know Wiggins Wiseman Minnesota pick whatever picks we got and just try to get Harden. Well, you know it's funny we we were talking about these panic teams, and I think there is a feasible level of panic where a team might trade for James Harden, like if Boston starts 500 over 20 games. Maybe they change their mind. If Miami does, maybe they change their mind. I feel like Golden State is too bad to trade for James Harden, right? <laughs> it's gone so badly that they would just look at it and say, "If we get, are we a James Harden away from being back in finals contention? Probably not, at least until Clay comes back, right? Oh. Like, I thought they would have been before the season, but now, can I, you're, you're in Golden State or you're in San Francisco. You know that team very well. Can I just ask, how do you go through a season like last year without developing a single, like, decent role player out of that morass of minimum guys. Like, none of them are playable right now. Like, Eric Pascal would not be playing on a good team right now. Yeah, well, they'll they'll tell you that Pascal's there. They'll tell you that Jordan Poole is on his way. That's their that's their propaganda. On his way is what you say last now. year. Now this is the time to win. Uh, he put in the, the best summer of any of the players. He's, he's working hard. He's ready to go. By midseason, he'll be, you know, a contributing member of the team you know that that they play that Marquise Chris was on his way you know he was going to be a a huge you know vital part of their team before he got hurt um you know why are all just, of their young players centers because they always have like 11 centers that they love at the same time I don't know if it was Kerr or or Bob Myers but I, they were just obsessed with like Damian Jones was the thing for a while there's like he's going to be our guy they want the vertical spacing that's why they love Wiseman so much and remember when and, Anderson and Verizal cost them a championship Wait, was that the year that he played for both the Cavs and the... Yes, 2016, <laughs> when Kerr plays Verja like maybe six minutes in game seven, and the Cavs win those minutes, something like 9 nothing. I can't remember what it was, but that was what swung the championship. We talked yeah. about, oh, Draymond suspension, oh, Bogan gets hurt, oh, the block, oh, the shot. No, it was the Verja minutes. And you know about Kerr's, you know, irrational love for Kevon Looney. No offense, he's a great yeah. guy, but, I mean, he the way he talks about that guy, you'd think he was a Hall of Famer. Kumbaya Kerr, man, like he's just really obsessed with depth to this 
weird level because they never actually develop good players. And I'm not saying that this is like unique to the Warriors. Go back and look at some of the guys that he cut when they had LeBron and Wade. Patrick Beverly was there. He was in the building. It's really hard to develop talent when you are winning championships. But wow, like you'd think after a year like they just had, one of those young guys would have really popped. And that has not happened so far. Yeah. Jacob Evans is getting cut left and right. It's not a good, not a good look. So, yeah, at this point, I'm just I I don't think they're good enough to trade for James Harden. I hate to say that. That's crazy. But I think unless they're really, really confident that they're going to have a healthy Clay Thompson next year, I'd almost just say, like, maybe the maybe the future is what matters. Right. Like maybe we're going to be a James Wiseman team in three years and we want to be focusing on that timeline. Yeah, and we've all, we've both talked about this before. How you know it it wouldn't be the worst thing for them if they are bad because they've got the Minnesota pick uh, and they've got would what would then be their own pick, another you know pretty decent lottery you know area thing, and then they can convince themselves that with Clay coming back next year they can try to contend, and if that doesn't work, at least we're set up with future pieces. So well, at least we gave it an honest try, right? Like we didn't abandon Steph and Draymond. We yeah, tried I can't see them doing that. Right. Like, I mean, as much as we can talk about if it ever makes sense for them to consider trading those guys, and I think down the line it might, I don't think they'll ever do it. I can't imagine it, but crazier things have happened. Like this James Harden trade request that, you know, a couple of years ago when they almost beat the Warriors, who would have thought this is where we'd be? Once Kawhi happened, that's when I just knew all bets were off. That was the guy I was like, okay, if he's willing to do it, anybody will. And that's why we started this podcast, just so we could talk about things like that. Sam Quinn, it's been a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to see, literally can't wait to see what happens with Harden. Like we talk about stuff a lot, but this could be like, you know, a a league changing dynamic. And he's such a polarizing, weird person to begin with. It just makes for for fascinating conversation. Colin, this was a historic episode of our show. You know why? I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. First episode without the Stepien rule. I knew it. I knew it. And I'm glad you mentioned it at the end because that can actually technically counts. Technically counts. OK. You said the word. Well, the next episode we do, I presume we're going to be talking about more concrete offers. So the Stepien rule will come back. So we may never get another shot at this. That's right. We need to just kind of honor it and and just observe it and, and take it for what it is. So you when know. we do our spinoff pod, it'll be called the Stepien pod. <laughs> We're already talking about spinoffs. I love it. We're like 10 episodes in. Not even. Sam, well, thank that's you so the much. We need. Thank you so much. We will uh, talk to you soon about more uh, potential fake trades around the NBA. I love it. Pleasure as always, Colin. All right. Take care, man.